0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Randall Rathbun, computer scientist, aerospace engineer, and mathematician who met God during his near-death experience. Randall, thank you for joining me and welcome.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. I appreciate this opportunity to share to share about the spiritual world and to share about God the Father in particular because he was so intimately involved in rescuing me. Uh, I was stressed out the week of my accident and uh, had what was termed a reactive psychosis but I was uh, traveling up highway 163 to go back home near San Diego area and I did a really dumb thing. I actually listened to a voice that spoke to me and said, take your hands off the steering wheel. And being the scientist that I was, I said, if the car doesn't steer steer straight, then I know that you're not God talking to me, but a liar. So I went ahead, like I was running a science experiment, took my hands off the wheel and less than two seconds later, the car veered to the right and I hollered out, you lied to me, you're not God, you're a big liar. But I was not able to get my car back under control. And I realized something bad was really going to happen at that point. I hit the freeway stanchion with the left side of my Mitsubishi Eclipse. And at that moment, I momentarily passed out. I went, and I woke up above the car about 15 feet, maybe less, uh, about the ground. But when I came to my senses, number one, I knew I was no longer in my body. Number two, I back of my wrists were hurting very much because I found myself chained up. Three sets of chains. Uh, my wrists were bound up behind my back. My legs, ankles were bound up and all were pulled tightly together by a third set of chains. So I was stuck in a kind of a backwards crouched position. And I tried to break free of the chains and I could not. They hurt, just like in real life. You couldn't break. It was harder steel. And then I heard this loud voice screaming at the top of his lungs He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. His name is liar, liar, liar. I'm taking him to the lake of fire. I. It was very shocking to me, very sudden, uh, very shocking to me to realize that I was chained up. But this being was shaking me like I was a leaf in a windstorm. It was very much more powerful than me, and he was screaming. At somebody, I couldn't tell who he was shouting at. Uh, Later on, I figured out actually was God the Father who was screaming at. But he yelled, and with that big yank, all of a sudden, we began our descent into hell. Now, I want everybody to know that if you're not in the body any longer, you are subject to the laws that govern the existence, that spiritual existence. So when he said we're going down, all of a sudden it felt as if I had literally stepped into an elevator shaft with no support and was in free fall. And down we went, and you know, almost got sick to my stomach because we were falling so rapidly at that point. And I got terrified now and I screamed out, why, why is this happening to me? Why? And right, as I said that, three Bible verses appeared in the air. Now, what is amazing about that is that the verses not only were legible, they were in English for me, but they also spoke like they were living words. First one was, the wages of sin is death. You can find that in Romans. The second verse that spoke was, verily, verily, I tell you, whoever sinned is a slave of that sin. That was Jesus Christ talking in John 8, 34. And then the last verse was, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall I reap. And that's found in Galatians. So, I, I at that moment I realized that I have brought this on myself. I had caused this to happen. I have to. This is somewhat shameful for me to say, but I'm going to be open to everybody. I was living a double life at the time. And although I was in a church helping lead worship as part of the worship team, uh, Saturday I was in downtown San Diego uh, visiting prostitutes. That is a very bad lifestyle to have, Uh, live a double life and outwardly you project one virtue, but inside, you're totally different character. Uh, so I, at that moment, I knew that I had deceived myself, but the deceptions was no longer there, and we were headed for hell. You don't want to head for hell. You do not want to, to wake up out of the body being taken to hell, but I knew that. the I resigned myself to that fate. I said, well, I really lost it. I really failed. I really lost it all. And now I'm gonna spend an eternity in hell. I didn't know what lay ahead, but I found out very quickly. We zoomed in, it got stifling hot. You could hardly breathe. There was a stench in the air like sulfur dioxide, very stringent, it choked you up. you could hear the flames of the lake of fire. And the, this being was actually taking me to the lake of fire, just exactly as he said. And worse, I heard people screaming that were trapped on that lake. They could not get out of that lake. Many of them were bound up as I was, some were not, but I could hear their screaming. And their screaming was worse Then taking a container of glass and breaking it up again and again, it was like shattered glass breaking in a million fragments constantly. And the screaming had the same effect that glass would have. It would just cut you to ribbons. And I have not forgotten that sound to this day. Uh, For some reason, I was allowed to hear the tormented souls in that lake of fire. So we kept going down, and I just kind of braced myself for the sudden impact on that lake. And just before I hit the lake, all of a sudden I heard six very sharp sounds like gunshots going off. Pow, pow, pow. And I blanked out for less than a second, and then I woke up, in a different place. I was no longer in hell. I was about 3,000 miles above the earth and a very quiet place. And the first thing that I did was I breathed a huge sigh of relief and I said, I escaped, I escaped. I don't know how I escaped, but I'm not in hell. And I sat there, it seemed about five minutes, and then all of a sudden, God the Father spoke to me, very authoritative voice. Place I was at literally shook with sound or the authority of his voice. And he said, My son, you and I have an important decision to make. And I'm going to give you all the time that you need to make that decision. And I knew that he was talking about whether to Stay there in the spiritual world or to come back to life in the body physically. Was it actually giving me a choice? And then he said something, and I want to share this with everyone. This is a word that every human being needs to hear, spoken into their heart at least once in their life. But I had not heard it from my own dad for 52 years, 51 years. And it was this, God the Father said, I trust you, my son. I I worked as hard as I could. I was a high school valedictorian, but I could not seem to win the approval of my parents. Here for the first time was a person in genuine authority who said, I trust you. Boy, well, I, I, I broke down and wept and pride, and I wanted to argue with God. And I said, Why do you trust me? I was living a double life. I broke your laws. I mocked you. I made a light of your word. I did. And he actually stopped me in the middle of that complaint. And he said, I know all that, my son. That's why I have placed your sins on my beloved son. So it was the end of the argument right there. <laughs> I, did, I realized, don't argue with, with the greatest authority. If he's telling you he knows, then he knows. So I stopped and he said, I'm going to give you a taste of heaven now. I'm going to let you experience seven places in heaven. And I was really literally dumbfounded because earlier I was almost at the lake of fire just about ready to end up trapped there forever and ever and ever but all of a sudden god is giving me a taste of heaven uh, his grace is absolutely unbelievable and it is pure grace too nothing in me deserved anything and i knew that but it solely and surely by god's grace alone that he was giving me this taste. So instantly, I was in front of a beautiful, beautiful university building there. I was amazed at how awesome it was. I was over six stories high, made of pure white marble or alabaster. The windows were open. There's no window glass. Windows in heaven are open. They don't have glass in them. So if you want to go out the window, you can. But the building shone with the glory of God and the light. Uh, The glory of God is the light that literally lights up all of heaven. And this area was just literally glowing with the glory of God. And I have to also say that because heaven is full of life, it felt like a beautiful, beautiful springtime day. You just had a sense of, of life in everything. I could hear the birds singing. And there's a underlying harmony or melody that goes on in heaven. I could kind of make that out. But my focus was on the building. And I said to God the Father really naively, whose building is that? And without missing a beat, he said, That's yours, my son. <laughs> that blew me away. I I said, Mine. Mine, what's the university doing up here? And he shooshed me and said, Randall, all knowledge comes from me. I gave you the mathematical knowledge that you have that came from me. And up in heaven, you can continue your studies in mathematics if you want to. And I have a university set aside for you so you can teach others heavenly mathematics was kind of the way he said that I was so stunned. But the important point for everyone is that God, the father knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly the talents and skills that he put in you. And they're not here just during this earthly lifetime and you lose everything. No, We are actually starting an eternal journey and we start here on our earthly lifetime, but we take our skills and talents with us because they're literally are a part of our soul and spirit, which lives eternally. So God was teaching me a big lesson here and I was just stunned. Um, Next, I was suddenly taken to a beautiful apricot orchard. And it was blooming, but was also full of the most pure, most fragrant apricots you could imagine. Now, God knows our hearts and he knew that when I was in the seventh, fourth grade, sorry, in Porterville, California, that I loved the apricot tree that was in my, dad's backyard that tree would have so many apricots the branches would break and i just loved that tree to pieces i absolutely love fresh apricots and here i am in heaven and god asked me the question how do you like my apricots up here go ahead pick one and eat it so i reached out plucked one off the tree and much to my surprise when i plucked it off Instantly, a brand new flower appeared where I had just plucked the fruit and it was going to grow another fruit. And I was stunned. Uh, He knew my thoughts and he said, Randall, there is no death here in heaven at all. When you pluck the fruit, the tree begins instantly to replace that and to grow another apricot. This is how things work in heaven. And I also realized that everything on earth is a copy of the heavenly things. And so the apricots that I enjoyed here down on earth were actually designed after the apricots. They're very much real in heaven, even to this very second. So we were there and next he took me to a wheat field. I was surprised by that, but a wheat was growing in heaven, and I got to actually walk through the wheat field. And the father talked me to remark about the bread of life that the wheat symbolized the bread of life coming through his son. And so the wheat was actually a, I'd a, uh, say, so only the wheat was a plant that actually showed how the life of God. Uh, would come out not only through p- relationship personally, person to person, but it was also in the plants. So God puts a part of his heart in everything that he designs. Uh, I was amazed by that. Um, next stop was a convention center. Uh, people were talking in a big area and the father strategically positioned me in the back of a room. We had about two to three hundred people in the room, and the speaker was talking, and he was giving an oratory. Well, without realizing why, I started to cry, and the father stopped me and he said, "Randall, I know." that you wanted to win that debate contest in Billings, Montana, but your partner let you down and you lost that opportunity in your earthly lifetime and you were never given a chance again. He said, I am picking that up here with you now. If you want to learn how to speak with, special skills you can do that here because speaking is sharing God's truth with others and there's a center here so he allowed me to watch carefully and here's what I saw Jeff and this is really amazing. when the man would share a truth instantly he would pick up the thoughts from people in the audience but it was correctively done. It was like criticism instantly on the fly, but by automatically bringing good, healthy input. So I could actually see the speaker was improving in his ability to communicate by the instant feedback that he was getting from the audience. that's clearly superior to how we do debates and that here on the earth. father asked me a question, how do you like how we do things up in heaven? (laughs) I was laughing by that because that was clearly superior to what we have on earth. But I was also deeply touched in my heart that God knows every disappointment, every heartache, every broken dream that we had. We may forget about it. I had totally forgotten about it for decades. But here was God in heaven saying, I didn't forget about it. I saw that you were deeply crushed. And so I'm giving you an opportunity to follow that dream, that goal that you had. That is very remarkable that God doesn't let anything drop to the ground. But he does. not So next stop. (laughs) I was put inside of a carpenter shop, and people were working on furniture, and one man in front of me was working on a bookcase. Now, I love barrister bookcases, and I actually did work on a a stairway with a winding oak baluster. I worked on the special oak floors when I was working in the summit area of St. Paul. The homes were done with white or red oak, very high skilled carpentry there. And I was a finished carpenter. So father said, Randall, if you want, you can make furniture for people in heaven. And I didn't expect his next comment. After all, my son is a carpenter too. He didn't say was. He said, my son is a carpenter too. And I totally had forgotten about that. And then I remembered, if you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to make you a piece of furniture, you'd probably get one of the best pieces of furniture in heaven, and he'd make it for you. So we get a privilege and a joy of making things for each other in heaven. And I... I was deeply, deeply touched in my heart that once again, God knows who we are and our skills and talents. And he was showing me areas in the heaven where we can employ our skills. Now, I make a strange statement here, but heaven wasn't made for God and we weren't made for heaven. <laughs> heaven was actually made for us. Creation was made for us by heaven too, okay? Heaven is very special because of the presence of God, but being the infinitely smart person that he is, he made heaven a place of incredible beauty, incredible harmony, incredible joy, incredible love, incredible light, and glory. So I, I can't even begin to adequately describe everything that heaven is like. You actually have to go there and experience it to know what it is. But I fail. Uh, earthly words do not adequately describe what you experience in heaven. And I know people who've been taken to heaven, they feel sad that they cannot share adequately what heaven is like. And so I feel a little bit sad at talking to all of you at the moment. But Heaven is far beyond what we can even imagine here. We went to three more places. I do remember one was the playground and I was allowed to play with the children up in heaven for a while in a beautiful, beautiful playground with the most luxurious green grass. And the grass doesn't stain your feet. You can run in the grass and skid on it like tobogganing and it doesn't leave a grass stain on your garments. Uh, It's perfect. There's no dust in heaven. Everything is very, very much alive. So I got to experience the fun and the joy of the children. There literally are millions and millions of children in heaven right now who are waiting for us to join them. God doesn't allow a single human life to be lost. And so he scoops up the aborted children, the unborn children, children who've had accidents before the age of accountability per se, but they're his and he guards over them and watches over them in heaven. And one day you and I will get the opportunity of seeing them and being joined with them in that heavenly atmosphere. Uh, I am so touched that God cares this much about children, but he absolutely does. The last stop in my taste of heaven was right before the throne. Now, I was not allowed to see the glory of God because quite honestly, it was so bright, it would have instantly blinded me. And all this time that God was talking to me, he was behind me. So I was not allowed to actually see him. I was aware of him talking to me behind me all this time. So he said, behold the throne of God. And I looked and it was huge, huge. It towered above me. And there was an incredible rainbow that was around the throne. Huge, huge multicolor rainbow. Right next to was the deep, deep purple color, a deep purple ring. And the color graduated to dark blue, then it went to pure blue, to blue green, 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 yellow, 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 orange, orange, red. And then at the very out from the red, it went back. Gradually to the golden color. That is in most of the light in heaven has a golden color to it. So it blended into the gold color. But my attention was instantly drawn to the purple part of that rainbow because I could see creatures in there moving around, singing glory to God. And so when I focused in on them, all of a sudden, I realized that they were the seraphim, and they were singing absolute pure worship to God the Father, and it was the purest worship possible, and I was instantly melted inside, instantly wept, wept, and wept, and wept, because of the purity of that worship, and I'm sorry, I just Remembering it makes fills me with so many emotions right now that God spoke to me. And he said, how would you like to join my angels there? And instantly I couldn't say no. And I was put right in part of the purple fire, that purple part of the rainbow. It was hot. It was really hot, but it wasn't the burning, deadly type of hot. It was just this incredible hot. And I was given to instantly know that that was the holiness of God that was making that incredibly hot feeling. But it was also super pure. And the archangels, the seraphim, were actually moving around. And I'm going to make a couple motions with my hands here. They were actually going both directions and they would pass through each other as they were going back and forth through this purple part of the flame, uh, the rainbow. So I actually got to be participate there for about a minute, minute and a half. And when I get to heaven again, uh, I want everybody to know I will definitely be at the throne listening to those seraphim worshiping God again. That is one of the highlights of heaven, absolute highlight. So the father pulled me out of that and I was, I wanted you to do that for me. He said, Randall, I want you to make a good decision. Had I allowed you to stay with the seraphim longer, you would not have uh, made a good decision. So I realized what the father said was right. He wanted me to consider all the seven things that I had tasted, experienced, and then make my choice. Well, at this point, I felt something was missing. Something was, I still couldn't make up my mind. I knew I had all the time. God told me I had all the time to make my decision. So I asked him, I said, Father, will you please help me out? Will you Assist me in making this decision. And he said, Gladly, my son. And instantly in front of me was a beautiful tapestry. And at the same moment, I saw the tapestry was like a long fence. Uh, it stretched, oh, at least 100 feet or more, very high and tall. And at the same time, I knew somehow it was connected to me. So I asked the father, what is that? And he said, Randall, that is your life and the eternal rewards that I've chosen to give you. And then I instantly knew. I was looking at my own life and there it was right in front of me. God knew every detail, including the future. And he was showing me that too. And I saw the first 18 years before I was born again, it was all grayed out. And I asked the father, why is that grayed out? And he said, you were not born again. All your works at that time count for nothing. After I was born again, then my obedience to the father's will is what he considers his work. And he rewards us for obeying his will at that moment. My tapestry had lots of black holes in it. And I said, why are there so many black holes there? And he said, son, you were sinning. That's all he said. And yeah, I got it. I got it right away that I had put black holes in my own tapestry because of my own stubborn, selfish will. If I can say, something to all of you again please please don't put black holes in your tapestry of life god has a plan for every individual it's uniquely chosen by god it brings you the maximum happiness maximum sense of fulfillment and is actually designed by god to maximize your contribution to heaven to everyone in heaven especially to god so i really was very slow to pick up on this and the tapestry after i saw the accident i was stationed right at that that crease in the tapestry right at the accident time i saw that i have had about 30 years left to live after my accident which is about another 15 years as we're talking right now but I'm age 71, Uh, looked like the timeline cut off at age 86 for me. I'm a math guy, so I quickly estimated. (laughs) God didn't tell me, you know, but I could see. So it was, uh, tapestry didn't have as many black holes after my accident. And I asked the father why. And he said, because, Randall, you have chosen to obey me more fully so God gives us a chance and he was had obviously given me the biggest break in the universe by snatching me out the lake of fire just before I hit the, the flames and here I was in heaven and I could see that uh, I he was allowing me to make an improvement on obeying his will now I want to be real careful here. Salvation is a gift solely through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not come through any works that we do. Indeed, we are totally incapable of winning salvation. But God explained that the gifts that he gives to us in that tapestry was because we were cooperating with his will. That's the way God has arranged heaven to be. He's put Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, and we literally are adopted in as part of the family of God. Uh, That is awesome, awesome grace from God. So I looked at all of that, and something clicked inside of me, and it was this. I said to God, there's something wrong here. You have been giving me the best of heaven, but I've not even stopped to think at one moment, how do I love you? Heaven runs on love, and I've been taking everything in. You are awesome, incredibly gracious God, but yet you've not even said anything to me about what you want. How, Father, can I love you? And He didn't even speak. Instantly, I knew in my spirit, he wanted me to come back to earth. He wanted me to share about heaven and hell, and especially about himself. And I said, Father, I'll go back. And he said, are you sure, my son? And then he played my automobile (laughs) accident, the rest of it to me, before it actually (laughs) happened to my body. And I saw myself being bashed, literally, almost to pieces in it. I saw my uh, concussion, my concussions. Uh, they, my back was almost broken in half. I knew I was going to break. I broke three ribs. I knew I was going to break ribs. Uh, almost broke my arm. And I was a real mess. And Father said, are, are you sure you want to go back? What a gracious God asking me, do you want to go through all that pain in that accident? He was still willing to give me a, a choice. And I said something, and I share this with all of you as a way of taking a big hint. If you want to make somebody happy, this is what you say. And I said this to God the Father. I said, Father, if I can hold your hand, we can get through anything. Oh, I felt his pleasure right instantly. I said that. And he said, gladly, go back, my son. And I instantly felt him wave his arm. And boom, I was back in my body, finishing out the rest of my extremely painful automobile accident. Oh, he had, not, he had not made it light at all. He had, that was true. I was in terrible pain. And I screamed out to him, no, no, no. I want to go back. And very quietly, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, no, Randall, this decision is final. <laughs> the hardest part was after I got duct tape to the gurney, I was brought in intubated. To the ER, and I had a tube inside of my throat for, I'm guessing, somewhere between three to five hours. My body literally thrashed around from that choking sensation, and I had to hold on to God with every ounce of strength that I had to get over that, that choking experience. Finally, the tube was pulled out, and at that moment, I knew that I had come back from an internal death, and I knew that I was back on earth, and I knew that I was now safe, even though it took eight months for me to recover from all of that. It took a long time to heal. my back, in particular, had awful spasms. So I'd get one, and I'd literally scream from the pain, and literally fall onto the floor. Uh, that was in November. At after the, my accident, but I got through that with God's grace. So I'm here today. I want everyone to know, don't take advantage of your heavenly father. Don't be a fool as I was and live a double life and then expect that you're going to escape the consequences. There is a very real hell, but God did not design that for human beings. And Jesus said that, okay, but we put ourselves under the authority of evil agents called demons, and they have control. I was actually chained up, and I was about to end up in hell forever and ever and ever and ever, and I tell you, you can't even take five seconds of hell, that's how mad it is, so please be wise, turn to God. and He has a son called Jesus Christ. And the Father said he is the doorway to heaven and to me. So we come to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask God to change our hearts to make us born again, and we ask him to adopt us into the family of God, and then we stay true to God the Father the rest of our earthly life until one day we re-enter heaven. I've actually been taken to heaven two times. And I can tell you this, heaven is absolutely worth it. And it's worth every ounce of strength that you have in your being to make sure that you will get there. And that is by hanging on to the Lord Jesus Christ for dear life. So that's my story. I wanna thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share this.
1: Randall, thank you for sharing your experience with us. So do you believe it was a demon or the devil that took you down to hell?
0: It was a demon. Satan has uh, his angels. He's got literally millions of beings. Uh, When the Gadarene demoniac, uh, Jesus delivered him, there were over 2,000 pigs, I believe, that went into the, the lake there. Well, those were demons that got inside of those pigs and drove them into suicide. So it was a demon, not
1: Satan. Did you happen to see the demon? And if so, what did it look like?
0: I actually uh, did see that particular demon, but that was back in 1972, believe it or not. I woke up one night in a dream uh, and I suddenly was aware that something was very wrong, and I looked around to, toward my left, and instantly I was blocked, and I got very frustrated and said, I will turn around and look, and I broke the stranglehold. It, it, it stopped me from turning to look. I broke that. It turned to look, and I saw my, that demon. Absolutely horrible. I was instantly shocked. The evilness, when you see a demon for the first time, you'll be shocked, absolutely shocked. I was almost afraid, but it was about five feet tall. He was dead, dead, dead. His skin was like black leather, a little bit mottled. His figure was shrunk. I also knew that he was very, very old, at least thousands of years old or not older, and also was aware that... He was more deadly, dangerous than any cobra or any other snake in the world. You didn't want to fool around with this sort of animal. I made a mistake. I looked into his eyes. There were tiny pricks of red light flashing in the center where the eyeball would be. And the moment I tried to stare him down, instantly I my eyes were poked like ice picks went right into them. And I screamed out from the pain and realized that he had done that to me and he didn't like me looking into his eyes. So that uh, that was a real glimpse that God allowed me to have to see that demon.
1: What do you think it was that made you susceptible to the demon?
0: You're asking a really good question here, Jeff. Thank you. The sins of the fathers get visited on the children. I didn't know it at the time, but apparently my father was not so faithful in his marriage. I did find out later uh, on that that trait continued with him, but it literally opened the door for unhealthy spiritual influences to come in at a very early age. And so, uh, I do remember high school after puberty hit, then things got really bad and went to college there at Bozeman, but my roommate invited me into his dorm room one night in October. And I said, John, is this? And he said, yeah, it's okay. It's it's okay, Randall, come in. When I walked in, he had plastered all the Playboy Center Bowl pictures on everywhere, ceiling, the walls, up on his desk and everything. And he said, so what do you think? I'll tell you, what I actually felt was I felt chains, big chains going around me at that moment, chains of lust, chains of slavery to lust. It, it was the most awful feeling. I felt like I was sinking, literally in a sewer at that moment. Hmm. So we are susceptible, we have weaknesses, and the opposition, uh, Paul writes about this, he says our work isn't against human being, but it's against principality and powers. They know our weaknesses, and so we get targeted, and my particular weakness was in the area of sexual lust, and I got targeted big time, big time. That's a great question, Joe.
1: Now, when you saw your tapestry of the future and you said that you saw a few dark spots, does that to you mean that the future is already played out?
0: No, no, because here's what's really amazing about God. He actually gives us freedom of will and we have the ability to say no to God. It's, it, it's amazing. You think what kind of person God really is. Pure love, pure righteousness, pure holiness, pure life. And yet he's put this ability inside of us in our will so we can say no. So we can change our future to a limited degree. Okay. I can actually go back to former sins. Peter writes about this, says don't go, don't be a pig. Don't go back to the you know wallow in the mud again, Christ has cleaned you up don't don't go back and be filthy again, but we can do it if we want, so if we want to go back to hell, we can can I say it that way mm-hmm.
1: Does it affect you at all that you know when you may finally end this life on earth?
0: No, the father didn't tell me that he he what Here's what's important. Thank you for reminding me. When Moses said to the burning bush, he said to God, who, who shall I say and sent me? God said a very key verse, and I, as a mathematician, get it. He said, I am sent you. I am is present tense. It's not in the past, it's not in the future it's right now. And so God doesn't want us to be burdened down with anxiety about the future. He doesn't want us flooded with regrets about the past. What he wants is fellowship, cooperation with him right now in the moment, because that is all we really have. We don't have the past. We don't have the future, but we got right now. And so God is saying, make the best of this right now, and I will be with you and help you to do that.
1: The reason I brought up the question is because I understood it to be that you had at the time that you learned it like 30 years left, and now you I thought you said you had 15 years left. Is that a misunderstanding my on my part? Was,
0: yeah, my excel was August 30th, 2002. Okay, that's a little bit more than 20 years ago. At the time, I saw about 35 years forward from there. So 35 minus 20 is about 15 more years from right now.
1: After you came back, did it take a while for you to process this experience and slowly make changes in your life? Or did you immediately make changes in your life?
0: Actually, both. First of all, I couldn't talk with anybody about what really happened. Not even... um, own stepmother my mother was in a different location but i didn't share with her i kept very very quiet about this and i started realizing maybe you should start putting it down and so i think about six years later four years somewhere in there i actually started thinking about um writing this up Mm -hmm. now there were some instant changes in my life i realized more than ever before that people are precious and valuable and that all of us are heading for an eternal destiny so i had that changed and that you see things differently once you participate in eternity like that you see things differently had that happen uh there were some other changes that god is working with me today Uh, i had nightmares when I was age two, continued up past high school. Also, I was for four months while I was in the seventh grade uh, by a ninth grade bully publicly, Mm -hmm. out in the playground in front of everybody. And God is still working on things in that area in my heart, okay? Uh, Sometimes the injuries are so great God doesn't instantly heal him up. But he's nevertheless faithful God, and he will keep his promises, okay? So some people, there's instant delivery, and others, not so. So that's what I'll say and answer your question.
1: Has the memory of this experience faded over time?
0: To some degree, as a mathematician, I would say, I retained about 80% of this memory from 20 years ago. Uh, there's parts of it that are absolutely the same. The screaming in the lake of fire. Oh, man, that's that's written. The singing with the angel, the seraphim of heaven, oh, that that's just as fresh as it occurred.
1: Did you notice or have you noticed since your experience that you have any cognitive changes or any abilities that could possibly be considered psychic?
0: I have to think about that very carefully. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really aware there, there was, there's a heightened awareness that we have of the spiritual world from time to time. Okay. But, I had an awareness even before this experience. I had awareness of of spiritual things around us. That dream that I had there in 1974, that was an example. So I can't say that I saw any really great change.
1: I'm sure there are a lot of debunkers out there. And even you as a scientist, before this happened to you, might even debunk things like this. How do you look at this now as a scientist?
0: Well, I'm gonna answer as a mathematician if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. Because science is based on math, and without math, we have no science at all. Okay. Mathematics is a non-physical reality, isn't it? Now we write it down, but it's very non-physical. Furthermore, we have to obey. Those laws, those equations, if we design a bridge and we neglect kinematics and how forces get transmitted, that bridge is going to crash. Same way with an airplane, we ignore the laws of lift. All of that is mathematically described, but math is non-physical. You can't weigh math, you can't smell math. You can't see math. (laughs) You can't put a telescope. Oh, I have enlarged math now. So my question is this. This is a non-physical reality that literally governs the way that we live and particularly governs science. Will you please explain for me how a non-physical reality can be so binding upon us here? That's how I would answer that question.
1: It'd be great if we had a mathematical equation for consciousness and DEs. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I'm kind of glad that we don't, Jeff. <laughs> I still want to keep my free will, even if it almost got me lost in hell. Uh, that I still am very happy that we creatures have
1: free will. What do you think inspires you about this experience?
0: I think the most inspirational thing is discovering what a real dad is. I had a very dysfunctional dad growing up. And when he came home, he used to us. My mother would keep a transgressions list on the refrigerator. And there was no way I could avoid doing something wrong during the day. And it got written down. And also, I knew I couldn't run off of the list. That would be extra trouble. So by five o'clock, there were anywhere from three to 20 items on that list. And my mother would take it off the refrigerator, walk up to my dad at the front door before he even got in the house and said, with that kind of a mocking tone in her voice, well, look what your children have done today. They need to be disciplined. So my father would have to take a two inch belt, Out from his bedroom, come down and proceed next to wall up the daylight side of me. Mm. This was my introduction to Father. So I thought God was a bully, that uh, he was gone all the time, like my dad didn't really care about me. But boy, if he showed up, you were in deep trouble. God, the real God, allowed me to taste heaven, showed me that he was the first to tell me this, I trust you. And he showed me how much he cared, showed me how that he knew my talents, and abilities, skills, and had designed heaven for this. So I want to tell everybody this. The most inspirational thing that you can get from any NDE is discovering your real dad
1: do you fear death at all
0: no no i tasted it one time and a lot of people have NDEs. they lose their fear of death after that i don't have that
1: were you depressed at all after you came back because you were here and you'd rather be over there
0: oh yes oh yes (laughs) uh i was especially depressed when i was undergoing the back spasms (laughs) But people, once you get a taste of heaven and the quality of that, you instantly want to get back to that. That's just a natural instinct with human beings. Uh, Also, you sense that this is your final destiny. Earth is kind of like a passing through. We're on a train, but we're going for a final destination. So, yeah, there's a longing that if you allow it, it can become depressing. But as I said earlier, God didn't want us to focus on the past or the future. but He's an I am God wants right now.
1: Would you say that the other side is more real than here and this is like a dream?
0: I would slightly correct your statement if I could. But first of all, sure. yes, the other side is absolutely much more real than this side. I saw the pattern like the apricot tree that our trees on earth were actually modeled after the real apricot trees in heaven. So, absolutely, spiritual things are much more real. When I woke up outside of my body, I knew instantly that was the real me, not the body in that car. And also, that the laws, consequence, and action and thinking, things would happen there in the spiritual world by just thinking by power of thought, but much more real. The thing that I wanted to correct on your statement, however, is that the physical reality that we are in is not a dream either. And that we have a sense of responsibility uh, for things that we're doing, why we are in our bodies. And that's mentioned in the scriptures too.
1: So do you think it's possible that our physical reality is a copy of heaven?
0: Well, I'm going to stick my neck way out here, okay? Because the, both the math and the science guy, we've heard about alternate universes and so on. Well, it was one thing for God to create a spiritual world and create angels in it, okay? But they would see God and they would instantly know their obligation to obey him because he's obviously superior authority and force and wisdom, just his being is infinite. So they would feel that obligation all the time. But I like to believe that when God created mankind, he said, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to create beings who can't see me And they're locked in a physical realm, so to speak. And I want to see if they're still willing to serve me and obey me, worship me, and thank me. And so I think that's what he did, put us into a physical reality. So we are actually in a dual world. Angels aren't in a dual world, but we are. So we've got two things happening We've Got that connection to the spiritual realm, but we're also physical beings. So, uh, I think God that's why that verse in Psalms, What is man that thou art mindful of him? You've created him a little lower than the angels. Yet, yeah, if you keep reading, it comes out that God's going to put everything under our feet. Yeah, that is really amazing. So My personal opinion why God is so gracious to us is because he saw the fall. He saw all the damage and the death that Satan and his devils would bring to the, literally the universe, not just our planet, but it's fallen, it's corrupted. And yet God decided, and he didn't tell the fallen angels this at all, but he decided to be extra merciful and gracious to us because he knew, how we would be viciously attacked. I didn't have anybody defend me when I was being knifed in my dreams as a two-year-old, but that happened and it terrified me, uh, woke up paralyzed, uh, dripping with sweat. Now, how could I defend myself? I was just two years old, but God has proved himself to be a faithful God And that one verse that says, I am with you. I will never leave you and forsake you. God has proved that verse to me. So that's what I'll say about this dual reality that we're walking in. Okay.
1: Is it true that God created all the fallen angels, the devil, demons, all those negative beings? And if so, why do you think God did that?
0: I don't agree with that. I'll have to just say this right up front. God did create the creatures who became Satan and the fallen angels, but they made a deliberate choice. Now, there's a key verse to that that Jesus himself said in John. He says, You are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, for there is no life in him. And then he says, he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus put his finger on something that was real and key here. Satan was the author of evil, not God. God didn't create that, but that was actually created by Satan when he made that deliberate choice to go ahead and, and lie. So Somebody will argue with me, and I actually had a religious teacher, a cult that I was in for five years, to argue that God created evil. I could never accept that, and I I have talked to pray to God to please explain this to me. And I'm giving you the best explanation that I have that this evil was created by Satan and his fallen angels. They changed. They were. They were driven out of the very top level of heaven next to the throne of God, okay? But unfortunately, they're still around our planet. And Satan didn't lie when he said to Jesus, I'm the God of this world, and I can choose to give it to whoever I want. If you just fall down and worship me, then I'll give you all these kingdoms. He wasn't making idle boasts there, but we need to make sure that God is our God and that we don't worship anybody else.
1: It seems like some of the places that you were shown in heaven were almost kind of like a life review because they were related to your life. Did you review any other things in your life with God?
0: No, no. I'm trying to recall uh, what actually happened, but you bring up a very good point. Since God is infinite and we are finite, God has to get down on our level in order to communicate effectively with us in a way that we can understand. Now, we grow and increase in our knowledge, okay? I have much more knowledge now age 71 than I did at age two. But God has to give us pictures or snapshots that we can relate to. So he got down on my level, so to speak, and used things that I could instantly relate to in my own earthly life. He did it for two reasons, to communicate his heart, but also to show me some parts that I didn't know about good dads, that they they know who we really are.
1: When you said that we are finite, that's only in the earthly sense, but once you go to heaven, you're there for eternity, correct?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, That's a tough theological question, Jeff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There, there uh, There is a sense that once God created us, he will not destroy us, that he designed permanent creatures to last for an eternity. But that's not the same thing that people for fear of eternal death were kept captive. The Hebrews talks about that is talking about a literal experience of death in the sense that we die in a condition away from God. And so that's what hell is. And God was willing to send Jesus Christ, come to the earth, to live, minister for three years to pay the full penalty for our shortcomings to God and pay it in full and give us an incredible opportunity to come back to a life that's worth living eternally. Can I say
1: it that way? Okay. All right. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they reach you?
0: I am open to that. Uh, I, I can say how to reach me would be Randall Rathbun at Protonmail.com is just my first and last name run together, Randall Rathbun at Protonmail. But I have to say, I'll leave it in God's hands. <laughs> I'll right. leave it up to Him what happens from this point forward. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
0: Heaven is real, heaven is more real you have a heavenly father that was so in love with you. He did not want you to miss heaven and he did not want you to miss out on fellowship with him. They actually asked the most precious treasure he had, his only begotten son to come down to earth and pay a ransom in full, a debt that we couldn't possibly pay God back. And he did that of his free will. And he's only asking one thing. Will you just reach out to him? Will you ask God to come into your life? That will be the most positive thing you could possibly do for all eternity, not just this lifetime.
1: Randall, thank you for that message and joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you.